Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, my kids say some of the th- same things that your kids probably say, or maybe you even said when, uh, when you were a kid. And they kind of repeat these five or six phrases. Some of those phrases are, I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored. I'm bored. I've got nothing to do. I'm bored. Uh, another phrase is, are we there yet? I hear that every road trip we take, every time we're in the car for more than 10 minutes, I hear, are we there yet? Another phrase, and this, was, this one drives me insane, can I have a snack? Dad, can I have a snack? They'll get up from the dinner table and they'll say, can I have a snack? Now, there's another phrase, and it's a big one, that maybe your kids say, maybe you say, uh, my kids definitely say it, and it's this, that's not fair. That's not fair. My, my kids are obsessed with things being fair in their own eyes. He got this and I didn't. That's not fair. He got to go there and I didn't. He got to stay up late. She got to sleep in later and that's not fair. I have homework and they don't. That's not fair. Well, the reality is that's not just a kid thing. Uh, a few years ago, my wife was pregnant with um, our daughter, uh, and we went t- t- for a scan, uh, and we, we found, the doctor found some, some alarming things in the scan, some bright spots on her heart, and he, he walked into the, to the room where we were, and we could immediately tell that something was up. And he looked at us, and he said, we found some bright spots on, on her heart, and It could mean nothing, or it could mean all of these things. And I I was faced with something that that just didn't seem fair. And I remember leaving that appointment thinking, why would you do this to me, God? Why would you do this? I've committed my life to serving you. I'm one of the good guys. There's plenty of guys out there that that are bad, that are criminals, that have done wrong, and I'm not one of them. I am a good guy. I serve you, I love you, I worship you. Why would you do this to me? It's just not fair. Now, everything with my daughter ended up being completely normal, but it revealed something to me about myself. Now, maybe you've experienced something similar. Uh, Maybe you had a health scare and you thought, you know what, this is just not fair. This is just not fair. Uh, maybe someone who doesn't work as hard as you got recognition or promotion and you thought, that is not fair. Maybe you worked really hard at your marriage. You put a lot of time and energy to fix what was broken, but your spouse was done and your spouse left and you thought, it's just not fair. Maybe you're a student and, and you worked hard all semester and something happened during the final exam and you forgot or, or you didn't plan enough or, or, or something happened and, and you didn't do as well as you wanted to and you, you ended up with a terrible grade. That's just not fair. 
Well, the Bible is full of stories of people who were treated unfairly. And today, I want to look at one of them from the book of Job. Now, the book of Job is interesting because we're not exactly sure who wrote it. People have, have been, you know, going back and forth for years about who wrote it. Uh, another interesting thought about it is it could potentially have been written as early as Genesis. So it's, it's an older, older book. Uh, another interesting thought is that um, there's a ton of debate whether it's, it's a parable, it's a story to just show us some, some things, or if it's actual historic fact. But regardless of any of those things, regardless of any of those things, I believe that we can learn a lot from this story. So right off the bat, we find out a couple things about Job, that he had a wife, that he had seven sons and three daughters. <clears throat> we find out that he had a ton of livestock, which tells us that he was a wealthy man. And the Bible tells us in the first chapter of Job that he was a good and righteous man, that he loved and worshiped God and that things were going really, really well for Job. And then we see something happen in chapter one. We're able to see into a conversation that Job is not able to see. And this is what happens. It says this, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Verse nine, does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so, so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So we see this conversation between God and Satan where, where God is telling Satan how proud he is of Job and, and what an upright and outstanding man he is and how he loves the Lord and, and how well he is doing. And Satan's response is this, oh, you think he's doing well? Well, he only loves you, God, because you give him stuff. He only worships you because you gave him a wife and a family and livestock and stuff. The land and the, the wife and the livestock and the kids, all of it, take it away. Take all that away and surely he will curse your name. So God allows these things to happen to Job. So this is what happens. One day a servant comes to Job and tells him, that some of his kids and some of his servants had been attacked and killed. And then as, as that servant is, is telling Job these things, another servant comes and interrupts him and says, listen, um, uh, fire has destroyed some of your livestock and more of your servants. And, and another servant comes, the third servant comes and says, um, you know, more of your livestock actually have, they, they've been stolen. Some, someone has came, come in and, and taken them away. And then another servant comes in and says, there was a mighty wind 
that came through and, and knocked down the pillars of the house and, and your kids were in it, the rest of your children were in it, and it crushed and killed the rest of your children. In a matter of moments, Job loses everything. He loses everything. He still has a wife and maybe a servant or two, but he has gone from here all the way to here in a matter of moments. I mean, can you imagine? I, I can't imagine even losing one child, let alone all of them. In verse 20 says this, at this, at this news, when he hears this, Job got up, tore off his robe, and shaved his head. I mean, this is giving me very heavy 2007 Britney Spears vibes, right? He shaves his head. He, he, he doesn't know what else to do. He freaks out. He shaves his head. He tears off his, his, his robes. And so what does he do? I mean, there are several things that I would have done, starting with cursing God, starting with uh, renouncing his goodness, renouncing his existence, renouncing his faithfulness. What would you do in that moment? Let me tell you what he does. He shaves his head. He tears off his robe. Then he falls on the ground. Verse 20 says, Then he fell to the ground in worship. In worship. And said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. You see, Job understands something that we need to understand, and it's this. God can and should be worshipped apart from his blessings and gifts. God can and should be worshipped apart from his blessings and gifts. What, what, are, what are we thanking God for? What am I thanking God for? What are you thanking God for? Because if we're only thanking him for the things that we have, if we're only thanking him for the blessings and the gifts, then we're missing out on a lot. The story of Job continues in the second chapter. It says this, On another day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. This sounds familiar, right? Verse 3, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him with any, without any reason. God's saying, listen, you said he'd curse my name, but he's not. He's worshiping my name. Verse 4, skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse your face, curse you to your face. Verse 6, the Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. Satan's response to Job's, Job's obedience, well, everything, has, everything he has is gone, but, but people want to protect themselves. That, that's, that's Satan's response to Job's obedience. 
Well, well, you know, he had stuff and now it's gone. He had, he had family, but now they're gone. But you know what people really care about? Themselves. They really care about themselves. So curse his body, his flesh, and his bones. And then, God, let's see what happens. Verse 7, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. So we see Job become infected with these terrible sores that are painful, that are all over his body. This is, he, he loses the things around him and now he's starting to lose comfort. He has painful sores all over his body. Verse nine says this, his wife, all great, his wife is still alive. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Curse God and die. What are you doing, Job? Can't you look at reality and see what's going on? You have no family, you have no livestock, and now your own flesh and bone are failing you. Curse God and die. Curse God and die. Verse 10, he replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Now, if you continue reading uh, the 42 chapters of Job, you'll find a couple things, and I'm going to summarize them here quickly. You'll find some bad advice from Job's friends. If you're looking to give some bad advice to someone who is in pain, take it from Job's friends. You'll find some decent advice from a man named Elihu. Some decent advice. You'll find some very poetic, emotional statements from Job. And then you'll find some conversations between God and Job. Throughout his story, the 42 chapters, throughout all of this, Job shares his emotions, his questions, and his pain, all without taking his eyes off of God. In the midst of losing everything, in the midst of physical pain, in the midst of confusion and questions and emotion, he continues to keep his eyes fixed on the Lord. Now, as you continue to read, Near the end of the story, we find out that Job's family and things were restored. He had 10 more kids. He had, he had uh, twice as many livestock, if not more, brought back to him. So, so his situation was restored. But, but your thing, the thing that you've struggled with, the pain that you've felt, maybe hasn't been restored. Maybe the, the, you were just left with pain. You were left with this empty feeling. No solution, no reconciliation, just pain. And with pain and suffering comes the question of why. Why do bad things happen? Why is life so painful at times? Why is this happening to me? Well, I'm going to answer those uh, in a second, but I'm going to tell you why it's not happening. I'm going to tell you uh, what maybe we think in the moment is happening, but, but is not true at all. The answer is not God is punishing you for something you have done. God is not punishing you for past sins. The answer is not God punishing you for something you haven't done. 
Maybe someone told you that and it's, it's just not true. The answer is not that you need more faith. Just have more faith. Job had, Job had plenty of faith. The answer is definitely not, well, you just should give more money or, or serve more or, or do more or be more. It's never the answer. The answer, why do bad things happen, is this. Bad things happen to you, around you, in this world, because sin has broken everything. Whether you realize it or not, sin didn't just create a separation between us and God. It it distorted everything that we experience. Sin has distorted the world around us. It has distorted our bodies, our thoughts, our motives, other people's motives, our relationships. It even distorts our view of who God really is. But God had a plan to save us. He had a plan to save us, to restore us, to reconcile the relationship between he and us. And it involves sending Jesus. Now, if you're watching this or, or you're listening to this and, and you've had a hard life, because you, you probably have, maybe you have, maybe you're sitting here thinking, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the past I have. You don't know the current situation I have. And you're right, I don't, and I'm sorry. But you know who does understand that? Job. If you've had a hard life like Job, then no one could understand it, could understand your life, could understand your circumstances, could understand your past like Jesus can. No one can understand it like Jesus can. By all accounts, we find out a couple things about the life of Jesus. We find out that at the end of his life, he was falsely accused. He was mocked, mocked, spat on, ridiculed. He was beaten several times in several different, very painful ways. He was whipped. They placed a crown of thorns on his head. He was tried and took the punishment of a low-life criminal. The crucifixion was, was only for the lowest of the low. He, he carried his own cross to, to where they were going to kill him, which would have physically been painful, but also would have carried some shame as he, as he carried it through an entire city of people. And then his hands and his feet were were nailed to a cross where he suffered for hours trying to breathe. There's even uh, accounts of of this that that he was unrecognizable. That he didn't even look human because of of the beatings, of the blood, of the swelling, of what had been done to his body. And then he bore the shame of sin. So I'm standing here today, maybe not understanding how hard your life has been, but Jesus does. He understands. He understands. And the hard truth is this. The thing that's, that's hard for us to, to grasp is this. If Jesus and Job were vulnerable to pain, sorrow, and suffering, then so am I. 
Why should I get some kind of golden ticket that allows me to get out, of, out through life without pain or sorrow or suffering or hard days or hard months or hard years? Job and Jesus went through it. Jesus was perfect. The Bible says that Job was amazing. He was a great man. And they went through some awful things. If Jesus and Job were vulnerable to pain, sorrow, and suffering, then so am I. We cannot live life with the thinking that good things happen to good people. We can't be like my kids and say, well, that's fair. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. If bad things are happening to me, I must be a bad person and change. If good things are happening to me, then I must be a good person and I'm going to go to heaven. That's not true. If, if you've been told this, this lie of, uh, of if I want a good life, I just need to blank, fill in the blank with whatever religious language you want to, or, or if I want God to love me more, or, or to even love me, or to give me some attention, or to stop um, hurting me, then I need to blank. If you've been told that, that's a lie. It's the prosperity gospel, and it's based out of lies. The real gospel, the gospel that we read in the Bible, the gospel that Jesus Christ is the center of, well, it does not promise to prevent bad things from happening. It never says that. It does promise a couple things. It promises peace and joy and hope regardless of your situation. It doesn't, it doesn't promise that life will always be amazing, but it does promise that you'll experience peace and joy and hope regardless of that situation. You see, Jesus took our place on that cross. He paid a debt that we couldn't afford. Now, if we're looking at what's fair, that's not fair. That Jesus willingly got onto that cross for you and for me, that's not fair. I'm so glad he did, though, because it's a debt I could have never paid. And so when we go through hard days, bad months, terrible years, when we go through diff difficult circumstances, God understands our pain. He understands our pain and he comforts us. God comforts us. He gives us peace. The Bible says he gives us peace beyond our own understanding. It doesn't even make sense. When we go through hard times, God gives us hope for the future. I know this is bad now, but I have a hope. I have a hope. When we go through difficult circumstances, God uses those circumstances to make us more and more like Jesus. I'll, I'll end with this here. In about the middle of, uh, of the road of, of Job, the 19th chapter, while he's still suffering, he's lost everything and everyone, he's covered in sores. This is what Job says. In one of his poetic episodes where, where he's contemplating life and, and it's a little angsty, but he's not sinning. He, he, he's still relying fully on God with his eyes fixed on God. This is what he says. Now remember, this is years and years and years before anyone met Jesus. This is what he says. I know my Redeemer lives. 
I know my Redeemer lives. I'm covered in sores. My family is gone. My wealth is gone. But I know my Redeemer lives. The Christian life is not one that is perfect. It's also not denying yourself of your emotions. God gave you emotions. You can mourn. You can be sad. Following Jesus, the Christian life, it's not perfect, but allows us in the midst of our pain to say, my Redeemer lives. I'm in pain. I am suffering. I'm not sure what will happen, but I know one thing. I know my Redeemer lives. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what next week holds. I'm not even sure what to do in this moment, but I always know one thing. I could lose my family, my stuff, the world around me, my own health, but I know that my Redeemer lives. And that brings peace beyond understanding. That brings joy beyond our circumstances. And that brings hope beyond, beyond the here and now. I want to talk to two different people in the room. And, and you may have heard me say this before. If not, I want to explain why I say that. I say that to, to potentially let you off the hook. I don't want to assume anything about your faith journey wherever you are in your faith journey, whether you're not sure if God exists or you've been a Christian for years, we're thrilled that you are here. So I want to talk to someone who would consider themselves a Christian. You consider yourself a Jesus follower. And I want to warn you right now about falling into the trap of this prosperity gospel, because it can be sneaky. It can be sneaky. Maybe you've, you've done some good deeds or, or, or tried to be on your best behavior because you want God to really love you. But God loves you because God loves you. He sent Jesus to this earth to live and to die for you. And your good deeds will not change any of that. Or your bad behavior will not change any of that. Do not fall into the trap of the prosperity gospel. Now, if you're someone listening or watching and you're thinking, not really sure how I feel about this yet. Once again, we're thrilled that you're here. And, and I want to say to you, would you consider, would you consider taking a step toward Jesus? Would you, would you consider saying yes to Jesus? Jesus' promise to life is not a perfect one. His promise is not to make your life easy or perfect and everything's great and nothing bad is ever going to happen. His promise is to make your life abundant. To make your life full of peace and love and joy and hope. That's what he promises. Would you consider saying yes to him today? I want to pray for you. God, I thank you for everyone hearing my voice right now. Thank you, God, for loving us so much to send your own son to, to live and to die in agony and to suffer beyond what we can even imagine for us. God, that's not fair. And I'm so grateful for what you've done and the sacrifice that was made on my behalf. God, as, as a response, 
I pray that, that we, we would be able to look at hard circumstances in our life and not run from the emotion, not run from the reality of it, but to fully understand what's happening, but also to know that my Redeemer lives. And because of that, I have a future and I have hope. I can have peace and I can have joy right now in the midst of the pain. Thank you, God, for loving us so much and so well. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.